You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, ChristianHumanist.org. Y'all still with me? Let me ask y'all a question. Who you think came through bringing all them rifles? Same people came through with all them Bibles. Same people came through with the revival. Same people running all the jail. Now who entitled to spit this ghetto recital? Was you alive when they tricked, stole, raped, whipped, transatlantic spaceships, brought us here, bought us here, let us out, caught again? How we gonna play the game we barely had quarters here? Home broke, school broke, family broke, job broke, car broke, job broke, baby call, water broke, baby come, next generation, yeah, nothing changed, next baby gonna get him a gun, he gonna start a game. Call him Hoover a day to call him a shooter. I wish she only load up on the computer. I wish somebody cared about us young rulers. I wish you stopped staring at me what it's like to be a black man, black man, black man. I got nothing going on. You got nothing going on. I need something to do. We need something to do. You should know by now that man in the Bugatti. He's a member of the Thanks for downloading another episode of the Sectarian Review Podcast, your source for art, culture, politics, and religion. Serious conversation that tries not to take itself too seriously. If you like what you hear, go to iTunes and leave a nice review. You can also like our Facebook page for more content and conversation. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. That you like, do whatever, baby, cause I, oh, I don't care, yeah, yeah, it's all Hello everyone, Danny Anderson here, Assistant Professor of English at Mount Aloysius College in Crescent, Pennsylvania. Thanks for downloading another episode of the show. Um, we have a really special episode this time, and I'm happy to share it with you. Uh, as you know, recently I um, attended the Wild Goose Festival down in North Carolina, and I had a really interesting time there, a really good time there, and really the highlight for me was the conversation you're about to hear. Uh, I'm talking to a rapper. His name is Jay Quest. Um, he's also a minister, a pastor of a church in Chicago. His um, pastoring name is the Reverend Julian DeChazier. And uh, we had a wonderful conversation about art and race and religion, and I'm happy to share it with you right now. Well, Julian, thanks for joining us here today at Wild Goose. How have you enjoyed your time here? It's been incredible. Uh, first time here. First time to experience uh, folks who I don't get to see on a normal basis on the south side of Chicago, and folks with good hearts and, and come from different places. It's beautiful. How'd you find? How'd you get invited to this? How'd you find out about it? Uh, I know Shauna Bowman, who's pretty intensely involved with a lot of the art curation here at the festival, and, and we work together at McCormick Seminary. So she was telling me, "Oh, you got to come down for for Goose, you know, and, and Wild Goose, and all that." And I'm like, "Okay, whatever." You know, like, let's do it. But now that I'm here, I mean, it, this is really cool. I'm, I'm looking around now, and people are sleeping in tents and everything. I'm like, wow, this is all right. Yeah. Um, I know that I think I, in doing some research on you, I saw that your church is like an arts church. 
I think yeah, you've said yeah. that. Um, so, in case you don't know, Jay Quest is also the Reverend Julian DeChazier. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your church? Yeah, University Church is in the center of the University of Chicago campus and unaffiliated and has uh, been there since 1894 and has always understood itself sort of as a witness to the university community and the university as an institution and all the ways in which it has moved in the south side and for better and worse, you know, throughout those years. And and that church has been a, a group of folks that has always wanted to speak to justice but also support the life of the arts in, in, in the practice of religion. And so uh, the Hyde Park Jazz Festival started out of university church oh, wow. and um, they had a, a youth services organization called the Blue Gargoyle that was throwing parties there for kids to just come and hang out on Friday nights, you know, who were in, in gangs or trying not to be in gangs. It didn't matter, right? Like, everybody was welcome. And I think the thing that I love the most about that church and that place is that people are welcome there no matter what, because uh, we don't see that enough. We don't see that enough. And they've tried to hold that culture up, and I'm, I'm really honored to be leading them uh, for six years now. So yeah. it's been really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, so you have these sort of two two identities. Um, this is really interesting to me. Uh, so which came first, the, the hip-hop artist or the preacher? Yeah, well, I mean... The, or can you even disentangle those? No, I mean, the hip-hop artist came first because hip-hop was a language that I learned and heard first before I knew anything about church, God, any of that stuff, right? Like, the thing that I first came to own and claim for myself while my mother was taking me to church and all of that, you know, my family, I would hear them talking about God and we would pray before meals and stuff, but, like, the language that, that became mine first was through music. Uh, everywhere I went, there was hip-hop and there were uh, rappers and I wanted to be a rapper and I just liked their their bravado and their style and the way that they were talking about reality too for certain artists like like Common who's my favorite artist of all time sort of really a, an inspiration for why I do this um, hearing his music just kind of opened things up for me in a major way before I knew anything about God and it was once he started talking about God that I was like alright well I'm I can get interested in God. You know, yeah. he, he makes God sound like <laughs> passionate about justice and loving for all people. Like, huh, I, let me look into this. And that's when you get out and you find folks, uh, much like the folks who are here, who find that progressive sort of uh, practice of religion comforting and warming to their spirit. I know I did. If there was anything else, I couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, I couldn't do it. I, uh, I am reminded as you're talking of a lyric in one of your songs, I can't remember which one, off the new album Lemonade, which is amazing, by the way. Thank you. Um, about something about you thought God was somewhere and then why can't we see him in everything we do? Uh, there's some lyric that, that points to that somewhere and I can't remember which song it is. It's off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of um, um, it's reminding me of the kind of synthesis between religious practice, you know, faith in God and art. Um, and your church seems to practice that. Yeah. They don't really distinguish those. And that's what I think yeah, makes no, you... I mean, and, and, and I don't see the difference between like you said two identities which I, I definitely understand what you're getting at and probably used to think about it like that myself but now I'm at a place where I see them as the same identity Julian J. Quest they're the same person whatever you want to call me it doesn't matter because I'm going to be both of them at the same time you know and sometimes it will make more sense to use music yeah. and sometimes it'll make more sense to do a sermon or to do a carefully constructed liturgy or a, a uh, 
a hastily constructed liturgy, <laughs> you know, in the moment, especially with what's going on in the country right now. You know, like you don't have the time to put together everything, but to, to still do something with integrity um, on a Sunday, whether it's in music or prayer, I think that's the same person. And it's my way of being bilingual. Yeah. You know, that's just uh -huh. another language that I grew up with. Uh, that I use, that I have access to, and and that was the one I found first, and then it was the language of the church that I had to learn. Yeah, you know that that was my Spanish <laughs> for folks. You know, uh, so church is a second language. Yeah, no, it, yeah. it really is. It really is, and it has fit. And there's sometimes where uh, the traditional language and, and rituals of the church don't fit what's going on in the streets right now, whether it's on the South Side or in Asheville or, or anywhere else. So I, I was at a conference a literary conference recently. I'm an English professor. I okay. told you this. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was this author who I've actually never read, Walker Percy. Mm -hmm. um, and someone was throwing out a quote from him about, and he's a religious, he's a Christian writer, Catholic writer, and um, a quote from him, something about being one of the problems with the Christian faith is Christian diction. Basically what mm -hmm. you're saying is the word choice is debilit is like uh, disempowering in some ways because we have these old words that we're trying to use uh, instead of contemporary ones yeah. and, and I feel like this dual identity which is really one identity I agree with you is a way to overcome that in a lot of ways yeah. um, which is a transition into my next question one of the things that I really find so fascinating and admirable about you is how you negotiate these two professional identities um Unlike artists in uh, the Christian mainstream, I sometimes call it the Christian media sphere industrial complex, uh, <laughs> uh, your work as an artist isn't like uh, quote-unquote preachy. Um, I, I know this is a, a complicated request, but could you like talk a little bit about how you see the art fitting into your life as a pastor? You don't like... I don't feel like I'm at a, uh, at a, a church service when I listen to your music. I feel like the, the God-serving person is there singing words, but not necessarily in a church building. Um, mm -hmm. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that comes out of going, growing up in a Baptist church that was really good and, you know, some really dynamic leadership. Uh, and a lot of the music was really dynamic. It just didn't feel like it was speaking to my reality. Like, it felt like I could leave and and go listen to the music that was really talking about where I was, where I was and what I was going through you right. know like that that music felt very isolated and it was beautiful i mean like some of the most beautiful music you can ever hear is gospel music and that's still known inside of the music industry today like the best musicians the best producers the best songwriters yeah. are christian gospel uh, folk if you and, want to find a bass player go to a gospel church oh yeah i mean like in a second you know um, but i've always been hungry for songs that sort of nuanced reality more and spoke to different kinds of realities. So because I knew that there was so much gospel and Christian music, whether it was preachy or whether it was just sort of uh, praising and glorifying God in a very direct and worshipful way, we need that. Yeah, We need that. And so it's not like either J-Quest or... 
Kirk Franklin. You right, know, right. either Jay Quest or Chris Tomlin. You know, like it's it's both. It's like okay, well, Jay Quest is talking about a different reality or talking about God in different kinds of ways and for different kinds of settings. I've always said it was the for me the soundtrack to a better life is what I try to call my music. Oh, you know, wow. it's yeah. it's like it's it's what's playing in the background as you're living life. Yeah, you know, and not necessarily while you're in church. You've got music for that. You yeah. know, and so I'm trying to provide something when you leave church, when you're on your way to the movies, or you're on your way to dropping kids off, you know, that you have this this other artist and set of artists. They're, they're more than me, but, you know, want to be one of those. And so I don't feel, I guess the simple answer is I don't feel the need to be preachy because there's plenty of people who are. Yeah. And because that preaching has never worked on me and doesn't work on a lot of kids who I grew up around and who I feel responsible to for the, with the music that I make now. Yeah. Well, speaking of real, you'll hear noise in the background audience. Don't worry about that. We're recording live at the festival, so that, that's going to happen. That's right. Um, and, and honestly, I think that that's what makes, what you're describing makes you um, a perfect subject uh, fit for this podcast. Um, we're really interested in um, Christian art that speaks to actual the actual lived lives of people. And we, we kind of work against these um, uh, the kind of the pure flicks form of movie entertainment, which is very sort of didactic and answer giving yeah, rather than yeah. problem pointing to. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like your, your music does such a great job of filling the gap that we're looking for. And so I was so happy to, to get the chance to talk to you. Um, well, one of the, now to the, I guess, topic of this two, two show series that I have here at Wild Goose. Uh, one of my listeners suggested the theme of hipness mm. for this special episode of the podcast. Um, and I'm not sure I'm taking it in the direction he originally intended, uh, but I hope he understands. I, I feel like it's become kind of easy and a, a stupid reflex to poke fun at quote-unquote hipsters for being pretentious or snooty or whatever. And what I want to explore today is some way to think about hipness as a more of a moral position, um, a way to stand just at the margins of society, um, not disconnected from it, but not in the middle of it, um, and not out of some selfish sense of aloofness, but for some more ethical purpose. And, and I feel like I see some of this ethic in your work. Um, can you talk about how your work situates itself in the margins um, of the music industry, of Christianity, pastor, creole, or whatever? Yeah, no, I mean, that's... that's... That's sort of been my posture from day one and not always on purpose. For me, I didn't start out saying I want to be in the margins, you know. I want to be a, a marginal indie rapper, you know, who's, yeah, yeah. who's growing his career, you know, day by day. Like, I, I wanted to go and do what everybody else was doing, you know. I wanted to be comic, Kanye, you know, like, <laughs> be everywhere, have a tour bus, you know what I'm saying. I, I thought that's what I would do, but I found in that the music that I was making was alienating myself from Christian audiences that didn't want to talk about that. They want to talk about God, but they didn't want to talk about the people who God loves, yeah. who we don't see. And I, I mean, for me, I couldn't, I can't make a different song. And I would try to make these songs that were just like, oh, this is for a gospel format for radio or something like that. But like, it just doesn't work. I have to write songs that talk about how life really is and how we really feel about ourselves sometimes, which is, you know, one song I woke up, right? Like, yeah. I, 
I'm I'm excited that I woke up. I'm thankful to God that I woke up. But like, I got a life, a lot of life going on right now. Yeah. You know, and and I'm bringing that into this. I can't just say like, oh, today is awesome. Like, no, today is very complex. Every day is complex. Why don't we have music that does that? And the music industry is just not designed, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, to to make space for that complexity in terms of really popular music, you know, where it's like if it's going to really blow up and get spins on the radio, like this song is about this. Yeah. You know, this yeah. artist is, I need to know who you are and what you stand for so we can figure out how we can sell ads around, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so it's, I, I admit that it's difficult to kind of make sense of me uh, or, or Lemonade or any other project that I've done because it's, it is a bit on the margins and I want it that way because that's where I grew up. I grew up on the south side of Chicago where people live in the margins and where life is intensely complex and where they also found that the music of, of their church was not fully speaking to that reality, only in one way asking them to be one kind of person, asking them to leave entire parts of their identity aside, and that's not, I just can't do it. And so I'm trusting that God and, and good people will support uh, music and, and the art that I'm doing that's trying to represent real life, you yeah. know, for where people really are. That so much reminds me, I, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, originally, and um, I went to this church on the near west side that we had, our, we were in the inner city, right? And so um, one of the struggles with inner city ministry is that how do you not give them an alien product that you just expect them to conform to? Exactly. <laughs> and yet, how do you not just sort of justify the things they're bringing into church as well? There's a, a, a tension. No, for sure. It's so hard to... to um, negotiate I guess and maybe I've used that term too much but um, and, and I feel like that is a beautiful thing <laughs> that was the great thing about going to that church yeah. uh, Christian Missionary Alliance Church there in the uh, the near west side Metro Alliance and um and I felt like when I listened to your album, the kind of joy and pain of that came back to me, uh, and, and, I, and I sort of remembered that. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, that's probably why this this record has spoken to me so mm-hmm. much. Um, I, and I'm, so I have a question about asking you to think about a particular song that sort of demonstrates this. But can I point you to the one? Um, um, whatever happened yeah. Um, yeah. as a way of doing this. This song opens and, and it's almost like a dialogue with um, the speaker of the of the song who may or may not be you. <laughs> Any of your identities, I don't know. Right, right. Um, but with uh, the Reverend Jeremiah Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, now talk about a marginal figure, right? In, right? in mainstream culture, this is someone who President Obama had to um, kind of disavow uh, um, um, on his in his first run for president. Yeah. And so um, you you bring that voice into this music. Um, do you want to talk about the, the reasoning there? And yeah, no, I thought that uh, outside of anything with the presidential campaign and all the drama that happened, which really did affect him and his family very closely. A lot of people don't understand that, but I mean, his kids were at Howard at the time and and going to college and what was it like for them? You know, yeah. those are the things that I think about more. I think I just have more of a lens for the kids than the adults. I, yeah. I feel like the adults will be fine, right? I never felt sorry for him. It was always for, like, the family. I know that he could handle himself, you sure. know, but what about the people who are 
who are in our families who are sort of innocently trying to live their lives and love us and and, and now are being attacked, you know. Um, but outside of that, I didn't think about any of that. For me, I, I just thought about the reality of the activists who are young, who are saying, like, we're going to do this and we don't need the church to do this. Yeah. You know, Black Youth Project and, and Black Lives Matter. Like, they're, they are... Uh, I won't even say content. They are sort of resolute in saying that if the church is not going to speak to this hell and do something about this hell that we're living on a day-to-day basis, then we have no need for it. Right. You know, we don't just need somebody to pray, right? We need that prayer to be in action. We need it to be in solidarity with people and not just co-opting the language of oppression. That's hipster stuff, right? Like, like, you know, uh, but to really be there. And so I'm talking to these young people. I'm I'm in relationship with these older pastors, Jesse Jackson, Father Flager, Jeremiah Wright, who are wondering, like, what is going on with these young folks? And 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 the the young folks say that the old people they don't you know they they don't get it yeah the old people say that the young <laughs> they're not listening they're making the same mistakes they're you know yeah. they're going down that path we want to help you and the old folks are saying we don't we don't need your help we we need your love we need your support we need your solidarity we need to feel like you all are our, our fathers and mothers and grandparents in this struggle, but let us do it. You need to let us do it. And so uh, that song, Whatever Happened, is just a way. Uh, so I began to ask, okay, well, how can I be a bridge? between these two worlds since I'm I'm so well situated in both right yeah, both yeah. trust me a lot so how can I help them talk to each other this is the marginal like ethical position I'm talking about and that's and that's exactly kind of where I see my life and ministry as being a bridge right I'm a pastor at a church that is mostly white you know but the first black pastor and helping them to see a world in a way where I'm not just vomiting on them I'm not just saying hey you all are wrong you're terrible you know and, and the same thing in the song is saying, okay, let's just talk to each other. Let's just talk to each other. What would this be? And so that person, that voice is, I mean, some of it is me. Obviously, a, a lot of it is me because sure. I'm telling parts of my story. Um, but it represents an entire generation of young folks who are saying, like, you don't even understand what life is yeah, and it, like right now. And... And you're telling me that I need to listen to Booker T and, <laughs> and W.V. Du Bois. Like, are you listening to what's going on on the streets right now? Yeah. You know, and so that kind of tension is very real. And I felt like the only person uh, or the, the person who I trusted most to articulate that was Jeremiah Wright. And he got that. Yeah. He he was never one of the folks who were like, oh, I don't get these young folks. He loves hip hop. Yeah, yeah. He well, knows. He talks about Tupac in, the, in his. In his uh, he knows boys in the hood. <laughs> like the Boys in the Hood reference we're making is sort of my smile to him because when I was writing my master's thesis at University of Chicago, he uh, read a draft of it and came back and said, how come you don't have Boys in the Hood in here? <laughs> we, we can go into why. But like I was, uh, 
writing this paper that was naming extra biblical sources for young people. Ah. Like, what are ways that in which people can find God outside of the Bible? Oh, interesting. Was what my thesis was about. And he was like, well, how come you're not naming Boys in the Hood? You're naming all these other books with white people and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what about these movies and all this? And he gave me the permission almost internally where I felt afraid to go to the university, this very serious institution, sure. and bring, like, these movies. But, like, what he was saying to me, like, yelling at me, really, like, to be honest, you know, not to, to break the confidence of our conversation, but what he was saying was, like, movies changed you, music changed you. Talk about that. Not just books. Like, yeah. not another book list, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, yeah. that's not what kids want. Like, let's talk about how people can really find theology. And Boys in the Hood is a source of that. And so that that song, that moment in the song yeah. is my shout-out to him. And, and we... We uh, love doing that song and talking about sort of ways in which we can hopefully come together yeah. as as people, not just inside the black and brown community, but just everywhere. Like, old and young are going to have to talk to each other. Yeah. They're going to have to. Yeah, and that's, I mean, another kind of long-term concern of this podcast is the... Tradition is can be a, is a good thing, um, but it can't be a weight. It has to be sort of a gift, <laughs> you know. And, and it a, let it let it be the base, yeah, that you build off of. And sometimes you build in ways that the base didn't intend. Yeah, right? exactly. It's the ways in which our constitution has needed amending throughout the years, right? Where it's like, oh, it's clear that the founding fathers were not thinking about this, you know, but this is our reality and we have to try to interpret it for that. So, you know, I think it's a very similar kind of project. Yeah. Well, and I just think it's so beautiful how your, that song in particular, um, takes this conflict and makes a really beautiful piece of art out of it. I just think that's such a moving song. Um, that one and the one about bullying um, really sort of uh, are, make me emotional as I listen to them. Mm-hmm. And so, no, and, and just on a side note, I think Jeremiah Wright does a, a wonderful job um, delivering the lines. That's I mean, right. it, it, he's got flow, right? I know, he got flow. He got, I, I, one day we're going to put out the you know, we did like a 20-minute interview talking about the song and everything. I think we'll put that out soon, actually. Yeah. Now, what's going on. Yeah. yeah, this is another, like, in the middle of this, let me, like, pitch uh, Lemonade. Uh, again, it's on iTunes, and, and it's well worth the purchase. It's it's a wonderful piece of, I say, I think a great piece of Christian art. Um, yeah, without uh, altar call. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, well, so I guess as we start to wrap up, can you like talk about how gatherings like Wild Goose um, encourage the kind of thing you're talking about? And then I want to talk a little bit about your performance last night. Um, mm-hmm. um, but uh, in general, like how does a, a, an event like this, like this festival, work with what you're describing? Well, I think it works if people are able to come together as community and for some folks I'm finding they really do find community out here of like people they haven't seen maybe since a year or in five years or some folks who are first timers like ever like and now they finally feel like they find folks who agree with them and and uh, live in the same world as them this can be a really beautiful place but I think the the uh, the idea of bridge building the idea of being able to go out and talk to folks means that people are going to have to leave here and and go into their communities and take this stuff. 
right? So one of my big challenges with what we call progressive Christianity, quotes in the air right now as you're listening, right? Like one of my big challenges of that is that people get in community around folks who agree with them. Yeah, yes. And then they go back home to folks who agree with them. And they talk about Donald Trump and they talk about all the stuff that's going on, but they're never in conversation and never in community with people who don't agree with them. The people who I call their neighbor, yeah. you know, but the people who agree with us are our family, you know, yeah. like that we're family. We, <laughs> this, this is family, right? You know, yeah. we can, we, you can leave your tent open. Ain't nobody going to go in there. This is good. Right. <laughs> um, but the neighbor who is my neighbor, that's the person who doesn't look like us, talk like us, who might even disagree with us who doesn't see the world in which we do and that we should be in community with them as well and i believe that jesus calls us to be in community with them as well and so the real challenge is like all right how do we go home and go back to our co-op or where however we live and say like who else around us is being affected by the stuff we care the most about and how are we doing at being in community with them yeah how are we like exposing ourselves to things that we don't already know or think? Yeah, yeah, and risking ourselves risking. and being being vulnerable. And I think that those are words that uh, people who have white privilege or any kind of privilege need to begin to take stock in. Words like risk and privilege yeah. and, and 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 vulnerability. You know, like those kinds of things are real. Yeah, and they can be used well to do some real good. You know, they can be used to do some real good. Yeah. Um, I guess this leads me to just your performance last night, which was great. Um, It was one, like, fun moment was when you um, gave a shout-out to the sign language interpreter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You you compared her to, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav, that's right. (laughs) Which was hilarious. Which nobody got, right? You got it. (laughs) Two or three other people got it. That's so cool how they do that, though. It's like, I mean, I'm, I'm up here rapping, and I'm going faster, and then I look in the corner of my eye, and I, this is really my first time noticing right. that someone else is on stage with me while I'm rapping, and I'm like, she's doing what I'm saying. How does that work? And and how do people who are receiving that, like, how are they hearing hearing this song, you know, in a new kind of way? Like, yeah. what what is the meat that she's saying is the most important thing to hear? Yeah, exactly. Out of this song, that's I'm very curious of that. I, I want to talk to her about that. Yeah, I, I just as a side note, I teach at a little place called Mount Aloysius College. It's a Sisters of Mercy school in Pennsylvania. Uh And we have a a sign language interpreting program and a lot of my students tend to be from that program and they they talk to me about that process of of doing these sorts of live events. And I bet none of them have done anything like this. Yeah, no, that's (laughs) that's master's level, you know, that's PhD level (laughs) interpreting right there. That's pretty deep. But um, to the performance, so yesterday as we're recording this, You'll hear this a few weeks later, but um, there was another shooting um, by an officer, and you mentioned this at the beginning, and and I could tell that you were uh, moved by that, and and at one point, you actually sort of improvised your performance um, to include a, um, uh, a, a what it's like to be a black man, another song, a, sort of a, a stripped-down version yeah. of, of that song, yeah. um, just off the cuff. Yeah. What was going through your mind while you were performing yesterday with that event? I mean, this is not an isolated event. Right. Obviously. No, just, I mean, rage and sadness. 
that's the best way to talk about it. Just for me, rage and sadness. I had to watch that video and watch the four-year-old daughter tell the mother who's breaking down, don't worry, mommy, I'm here with you. I'm right here with you. And to have a three-year-old daughter, I was just so sad. If I didn't have to perform, I wouldn't have come. Yeah. I would have stayed home. I, like it's, it's a day to be with family. It's a day to be around people you love. Uh, to try to be generated again by by their energy and, and to find some new hope again. Uh, and so I came here mad, not mad at anybody here, just just mad that this is the way that the world works. Yeah. Where a black man with a license to carry a gun and trying to, to show that to the officer is gunned down because of that cop's fear and just... Yes, training. <laughs> you know, check, I keep it clean here, but it's nice. very, it's very upsetting for yeah. me. Um, and so, being on stage, I thought um, I looked out at a sea of people who didn't look like me, right? But I knew who got it. You know, this is a group of folks who want to get it and want to understand it deeper. And I said, well, let me. I think it just came to me like let's let's just do this at this part of this. Yeah. You know, let me just tell them what it's like. Yeah. You know. Well, and that's the whole point of of your art, right? It is to um to bring those messages into communities that aren't necessarily looking for them but need to hear them. Yeah. And I thought that was just a an amazing um like very kind of organic real example. No, it was real. I, I had a lot of emotions up on that stage that day, and, and that's something I try not to do, you know, to try to be more composed, especially in front of new audiences and large audiences like this, where it's yeah. like, give them your best foot, you know, as, a, as an indie musician, you know, sure, yeah. let them see your best side. <laughs> and for me, I thought that was, you know, it was just a raw, real, like, again, abridging yeah. as a black man. While you're feeling like the humidity of the air and pissed off because you couldn't pitch your tent in a certain <laughs> place or, or whatever kind of frustration, like there was a woman at, at the airport um, who was complaining about like she didn't get her boarding pass in time to eat and she just <laughs> broke down crying, white woman. And I was just sitting here watching this like, and I just watched this video in the airport and I'm watching this and I'm like, huh. And I'm not saying like she doesn't have problems, she got diabetes, she got anything going on, right? Where everybody's got something. But the ways in which we make our problem the only problem right. is the challenge. That's that's what shows me is like the lack of community, the, the lack of our sense of the neighbor and our not just being in the world, but being in the world and belonging to a wider community. And I think if you see that, like there's no way you could complain about not getting a boarding pass if you just saw that video, right? right? Like that, you would just... <clears throat> the perspective would... You, you, yeah. you just couldn't, right? Yeah. But if you live in your own world and your problems are your own problems, even if those problems are real, then that's, you know... Yeah. I, I felt like that was a, a, a beautiful bucket of cold water <laughs> yeah. you threw on everybody that was so necessary. <laughs> yeah. And, no. <laughs> and that's, to me, like most of the point of art, really. Um... um so how does being a pastor, how does pastoring a church, and this is my final question, sure. how does pastoring a church resemble being an artist then? Because that was pastoral work you were doing last night, I think. Huh. So um, how, how, how does, how does, obviously it's a different kind of rhetoric, right? Sure. Um, but in what ways are they this, are similar? Well, I think it's in that same vein of 
literature that we see in the Hebrew Bible where there are folks who are uh, helping the people understand what reality is while they live in a different kind of reality. And you call them prophets. You know, I'm not trying to call myself a prophet, but certainly in that prophetic tradition of of throwing cold water is a good metaphor, right? Like while we live in this consumerism, we live in this uh, sort of way, worshiping the various different gods that we do, um, including as, our own self. As Jeremiah Wright said in your song, racism, militarism. Yeah, capitalism. you know, while we live in those worlds and we find ways to get by in them, there are folks who come by every once in a while who drop in town or who are leading the people and are saying, we don't have to abide in this. Yeah. In fact, we shouldn't. This this is not of God. Yeah. We we need to go return to God again, you know. And that really the story that we hear of the Israelites is that they're thrown into exile because they can't do that. And if I look at American people and American culture right now, we're in that same situation. We're in exile because we won't we abide we want to abide in systems that oppress us. Mm. We want to we want to get by in hell, mm-hmm. you know, and and we don't have to do that. And I, so I'm just you know, I, I'm just, I feel called to be an artist, a pastor who is reminding us that the reality that we are trying to get along in doesn't care about us. Right. Like, like why, why are we trying to, to get along in a reality that, that actively hates us, you right. know, like whether it's through the music or, or through the sermons or anything else, try to show an alternate reality of a loving God and a different, a different worldview, which I think Christianity at its best offers an incredible worldview and a, an incredible response to the world we live in. Right. And the church is that marginal institution. It should be, at least. Yeah. And when it's not, that's when it finds itself in trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, I, I said at the end, of of the performance yesterday that the the voiceless need the help of the silent yeah for years the church has been silent at best and sometimes actively like preaching on behalf of of the system (laughs) yeah of the system so um people who are silent even if they're well-meaning goosers whatever you know what i'm saying (laughs) even if they're all of that like the silence doesn't help. We don't need the prayers right now. Yeah. We need we need you to speak up because you have a certain access that I don't have. Yeah. You know, and I have a certain access that the other activists don't have. And so I'm taking my privilege of that positioning and that access and trying to give it to them. Yeah. You know, so well, Jake West, Julian DeChazier, um, thanks so much for being on the show. I, I don't want to embarrass you, but I feel like you're like the patron saint of the podcast at this point. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, you, because you, have, what you do embodies everything we try to encourage. Uh, oh, well. and, and I think that it's uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And Thank I, you. I really appreciate it. And what it. you're doing is important. And the folks who are listening, I mean, you have something to offer. And you're risking it to, to have a different conversation. Yeah. That's that changes things. That changes things. So please keep doing it for real. Thanks, man. Um, take care. Yeah, thank you.